The following podcast uses words that lawyers don't use in court, even though they're thinking them. Hello and welcome to episode 338 of the Thinking of That podcast. This will air on Monday, February 21st, 2022. The next uh, registration deadline is Wednesday, March 16th, and that's for the April LSAT. Good luck if you're uh, shooting for that. Right now we have the February LSAT. What? It's going. Okay. It's going right now, but it by the time this airs, I guess it'll be over. So good. hope that okay. went well for you all. And then uh, the March LSAT is starting the week of March 11th. If you have not come to Nathan's March 2022 LSAT study group yet, I would strongly implore you to come. Is that the right word? Implore? To implore someone? Yeah, you someone? just don't need that. You don't the need strong that adverb, yeah. dude. I really yeah, strongly, severely ask you <laughs> to stop what you're doing. how everyone speaks. Yeah. We all speak in that manner. Mm-hmm. And you should just go ahead and write it that way the first time you write it. Then when you go back and edit it, you can take out the strongly. Because implore is such a beautiful word. It that is. was excellent. Implore means strongly. Well, should we look it up? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? You can keep going. I'll look it okay, up. Okay, you look it up. Anyways, I implore you to come to that because, one, it's free. You only need a demon free account. So you go to lsatdemon.com. You sign up for a free account. It's every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, If you have time to watch shows on Netflix or whatever, you have time to come to Nathan's class, and it will do much more for your future than anything else uh, on Netflix. Anyways, today on the show... um, Oh, did you look that up? Implore? I did. Implore uh, means... And I'm surprised, slightly surprised by what this means. Okay. Implore means to beg someone earnestly or desperately to do something. Hmm. Well, you're a little surprised because you might have thought that implore meant strongly. Yeah, like, like, like almost like you're telling them to do it. Yeah, it's almost like you're um, imposing, boss telling you to do something. This is beg someone earnestly. Earnestly and desperately. Their example is, uh, I am one of the examples is I implore mercy. Oh, okay. Well, that's not exactly what I meant. I am encouraging you strongly. <laughs> so we need to find a word for that. Yeah, I mean, you could be begging them to go. Like I, I would implore someone. I would beg someone to go. <laughs> like beg, if you haven't gone, please. well, why not? I need them desperate for attention. <laughs> I need you to come, to please, to my study group. No, I promise it's a laugh. I, I, it's a laugh every fucking time. People come, they ask whatever random crazy questions they want to ask. I pop off. It's funny. I, I recommend it. Yep. I implore you. Cool. Uh, it's every other Thursday. Um, oh, it's every other Thursday. Oops. Yeah. Every other Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour-long free program. Everybody likes free shit. Just go to lsatdemon.com and register for a free account, and you'll get regular reminders about not just that, but all of our free classes, including like actual full-on LSAT classes from me and from Ben. It's also the world's best free study tool, like by far. It's not really close. Yeah. 
Um, today on the show, we had a quick update on the uh, scholarship estimator. That's at uh, lsatdemon.com forward slash scholarships. We also had an email from someone who had gone from a 148 to a 172. Another email. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> 148 to 172 could have potentially done better if he would. I, you know, ultimate one thing I didn't say when we read that email, James, uh, was proud of the fact that he did 40 practice tests. So it's not even half actually. Nope. That is 40% about Mm -hmm. of the tests that are available. So, you know, he worked his miracle by doing 40% of the preparation that he could have done. Yeah, what could you have done and, if you had done more? Well, he ended up with a 98th percentile score. I, I forgot to say that as well, right? Like, I mean, I don't want to bust his balls about it because he 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 did awesome. <laughs> like, that's you and I both agree. We can get, we settle on the word awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he 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 could he could be leaving a little bit of money on the table. And let's be clear there were twice as many 175s and higher that applied in the last cycle as in the previous cycle. All of those 175s are ahead of James. Yep. He did 40% of the available practice tests. Could he have gotten a few points higher and gotten into that 99th percentile instead of just the 97th or the 98th? James, are you going to be a 98th percentile lawyer? Or are you going to be the one out of a hundred who beats the 98th percentile lawyer? Yep. Um, it was, I looked up awesome. Informally, awesome means extremely good or excellent. I would say it's extremely good or excellent. Mm -hmm. Is it the Um, best? No. Well, the definition, so the first definition says, Extremely impressive or daunting, inspiring great admiration, apprehension, or fear. Oh, something's awe-inspiring, awesome. Okay. I think we, in our discussion of James's email, we agreed that it was awesome, but I think that that's that is the informal usage of the word because, in truth. If I'm hiring an attorney, by the way, if I'm hiring an attorney, I do want an awesome attorney, according to the first definition of the word. Yeah. I want an attorney who inspires fear. (laughs) I I want the attorney that the other side looks at and goes, oh, fuck. Yep. Like they walk into the courtroom and they know they lost. That's the right attorney. And James ain't it. I'm sorry, James. (laughs) 172. It is not, uh, it is not, it does not make me afraid. So I, I retract, <laughs> I redact my use of the word awesome. I will say good job. I will say extremely good and excellent. I will say awesome in the informal sense, but you do not get awesome in the formal sense. <laughs> we give this a informal awesome. <laughs> yes. Okay. You are informally awesome. <laughs> But ultimately, Harvard, is, Harvard and Stanford and Yale are looking for formally awesome. That's what they're looking for. Yeah. Yes. Well, they're, look at their 519 report. Look at, look at the LSAT percentiles on the 509 report for Harvard and Stanford and Yale. 
they they would they will James's knees should be shaking as he looks up at those awesome attorneys. What was I going to say about this? You know, I think James was also uh <laughs> sorry James, you're getting a lot of attention here right now, but um <laughs> I think you were you were proud of the fact that you did all of this without classes and without books. Maybe that was a mistake. Maybe it was an unnecessary benchmark, right? It was like, oh, look at this. I achieved this thing without this help. But it's like, oh, okay, was that the most effective strategy? People anchor on where they came from, right? Or they they it's like, well, look at how look, look at how amazingly much I improved. And I agree, you did improve and amazingly you improved an amazing amount. Yes. But that's not the question. The question is, did you improve as much as you possibly could have improved? I mean, if you don't want to go to Harvard and Stanford and Yale, or if you don't want to get that full ride to some other top 14 school or whatever it is, and whatever your goals are, maybe James doesn't have goals that require a 99th percentile LSAT. Yep. But there are doors that would open to James with a few more LSAT points that probably are not going to be open with his current LSAT score. Yeah. 172 is good, but not great. Cool. So that was James. <laughs> You'll hear more about James in a little bit. <laughs> that was one of the emails we talked about yeah. at length already on the show. Okay, what we else? We got an email from someone who has a low GPA, the cumulative GPA of 2.7, also wants to oh, yeah. revolutionize or at least <laughs> create a national union for healthcare across the United States. We had some thoughts about all of that. Yep. Um, Nathan uh, is concerned about how people are responding to his emails, so we addressed that. <laughs> we, took, we took care of a little LSAT demon staffing issue. <laughs> Uh, we had a bunch of other random yeah. shit. JFK's uh, JFK's admission essay to Harvard. We dunked on that for a little while. We had um, uh, interesting item about LSAC, um, the Plus program, this uh, scholarship program that they have going on at law schools yeah. for um, underrepresented groups at schools. Uh, really interesting. We don't know as much as we would like to know about that program, but we talked about it for a little while. And a uh, conclusion question. Cool, man. For my logical reasoning. So before we jump in, I wanted to talk about this uh, calendar that you pointed out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you selling calendars? Yeah, I'm selling calendars. You know, things are tight. Things are tight at the Demon. So <laughs> now, cool. uh, this. So my niece made this calendar, and she has a whole store on Etsy. It's Aww. Claire Alice Prince. If you, if you search, if you Google it, you'll find her store. You'll probably see a picture of her, too. But um, she has a ton of pictures, and I think a lot of them are amazing i think she has a good eye for photography and she has a lot of reviews wow. so you know the first link when i i just looked for the one word mm. um concatenation of claire alice prince okay uh uh it's a it's an ad for etsy oh interesting claire alice print they they recognized that claire alice prince one word is a thing on etsy oh. and they paid google to show it as the first results wow it also is the first organic search. Man, I, I is that worth it for Etsy to do that? They're like they're it's like they're voluntarily paying money. Well, you know, um, to... different search terms are costs very little, right? Like, yeah, LSAT prep is an expensive search term, but I imagine yeah. who, who's who's competing, right? Who's bidding for Claire Alice Prince? 
So they're probably like, hey, we're paying pennies, but we can get someone in the door and close the sale. Is that a first and middle name or is that a first and first last and name? middle? Mm-hmm. First and middle, yeah. Claire Alice. Huh. She has um, 491 sales. Wow. She's like got a little business going. Yeah. She says, hello, my name is Claire Alice and I'm a photographer and editor. My work stems from my deep love for Fuji 400H film, travel, architecture, and nature. And then, I don't know, some other stuff. Cool. That's the blurb. Oh, yeah. Whoa. What? She has cool stuff. I'm going to buy some of this shit. Cool, man. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yep. That. Anyways, that's from her. So Christmas gift. Thank you, Claire. It's awesome. As Nathan said, it made my background less boring. It's gone from a whiteboard to a whiteboard plus a calendar. <laughs> Is it awesome? Informally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's do the yep. show. All right. Let's start with the estimator. You have an update. Yeah. I, um, I hijacked your developers and um, via Brittany and... Uh, got this one pushed through, um, as a quick fix. Um, we used to on the scholarship estimator have separate categories for full and more than full, yep. but it came to our attention that when ABA data, when the 509 reports show more than full, sometimes what's happening is it's a full tuition scholarship from the school. Yep. And then it's like, a thousand dollar outside scholarship or it's extra money coming in from GI bill or yellow ribbon or something else. And it's like 2% of the class is getting a more than full tuition scholarship and it's not really coming from the school. So when they report that more than full, they're not saying that they're the source necessarily. Is that what you're saying? Right. Yeah, it's just, this is, but let's be clear, the bulk of money that anybody's going to ever get, I mean, if it's not coming from the government, if it's not coming from GI Bill or Yellow Ribbon, most people aren't getting scholarship money that's not coming from the school. That's true. But you're saying when someone's getting more than full, the idea that the school is giving away full tuition plus money, which is actually going to really come out of their pocket now because a stipend is not something they can just discount, <laughs> right. right? They actually have to turn around and give right. you cash. Maybe right. more often than not, that's really not happening. Yeah. And right. they're just scholarships are just discounts. I mean, up and up all the way up to, and including full tuition scholarship, all that is, is a discount yep. and they can discount their product all the way up to a hundred percent. How much does it cost us, Ben? If we let somebody take LSAT demon classes for free, $30, <laughs> <laughs> right. It costs us the LSAC fee and that's it. Yeah. It, it, it really doesn't cost us anything more than that. Yeah. And that's how it is for law schools. It, 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 their, their marginal cost for an additional student is like almost zero. Almost zero. Yeah. They have giant classrooms yep. that already exist. They have extra seats in those classrooms it makes no difference to a professor whether they're teaching 99 people or 100 people. Yep. They what? They grade one more exam at the end of the semester. Well, it doesn't even matter if it affects them. They're not getting a higher salary. The salary, right. like the costs to <laughs> right. the school aren't changing. Right. Yeah. No, I mean the services that the school provides for your money are minimal mm -hmm. for an additional student. It's minimal. I mean, all you're doing is paying for the prestige of the school, right? Mm -hmm. So, 
tuitions are are uh, tuition scholarships. It's it's really just kind of fake. All it is is just the school isn't charging you the money. Mm-hmm. Stipends, though, that's like the school actually cutting you a check. And so stipends are they do they do happen. Um, you know, we got to talk to Dean Z because Dean Z gives stipends. Yep. Dean Z at Michigan, she sometimes says, oh, you got into Harvard. Hmm. Can maybe come to Michigan for free instead. <laughs> and students are like, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm going to still go to Harvard. And she goes, OK. How about I'll sweeten the deal? I'll actually cut you a check for 10 grand a year. And sometimes the student says yes. Yep. So stipends are a thing. They do happen sometimes. You should hope to get a stipend. But it's not a thing that you should really expect. And we felt that we were giving maybe slightly misleading um, information. So what we've done is we've just, when the estimator used to say more than full, now it just says full, uh, which, you know, is valid like that's that is what's happening they are getting full scholarships and they might be also getting a little bit extra we just didn't want to be um overselling we we don't want to be yeah we don't want to be over promising to anybody yeah and uh, so we made that change so if you go to lsatdemon.com scholarships you will no longer see a more than full category you will only see full Uh, yep but hey you get full tuition that's a win and that's what we're going for yeah uh thank you to um listeners and students who pointed out that discrepancy. Um, you can always email us help at thinking We do not know everything, but we are, um, earnest students of this game. We're, we want to know as much about it as we possibly can. And, uh, you know, that's a thing that we learned. So we, we have adjusted our <laughs> message accordingly. Yep. Cool. Thanks. Um, all right. This next email here is from James. It says, hi, Ben and Nathan. My name is James Suarez. Okay. I guess we're sharing his name on the show and I'm a third year at the Ohio state university, the Ohio state. They, they, they do do that all the time, right? Whenever we get emails from people at Ohio state, they say the Ohio state university. It's fucking obnoxious. (laughs) I mean, that must be like cool in Ohio, but it's so obnoxious to anyone who's not in Ohio. Yep. But anyway, they capitalized. The, the V. But anyways, um, I began studying for the LSAT in the beginning of the second semester of my sophomore year. I began studying in January of 2021. Okay, so that was about 13 months ago, a little over a year ago, after a diagnostic score of 148. After nine months of consistent studying, I scored a 172 on the October LSAT, despite being part of the unfortunate group that experienced the Law Hub outage. I don't remember that, but there's been a lot of those things. Um, It was a miraculous feat and a rewarding journey that I owe in large part to you guys. I never once met with a tutor, never once even contemplating taking an LSAT (laughs) class, and steered clear of study books. Maybe you would have got a 178 if you would have studied with a class but i mean yeah that's pretty damn good yeah notice what happens when james says it was a miraculous feat Hmm. what's your initial what's your just um, i have an immediate response to that i i mean james improved by quite a bit but it's not i wouldn't say it's miraculous (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) it's like it's it's just it's overselling like you could have when if he would have stopped at i improved from 148 to 172 Mm -hmm. we would be like yeah dude that's badass like 
fucking hell yeah dude 24 point improvement that's awesome yep it is awesome it's great but then he goes that further step and says that it was a miraculous feat. And then I have to go, okay, well, I mean, I probably got five emails this year from people who improved by more than that. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I, I, we have many students who improve by that much. I mean, it's awesome, James. We're, <laughs> we're very proud <laughs> yeah. of you and yeah. glad that you found the podcast and everything, but yeah, uh, I mean, it's not miraculous. Don't get us. You wrong. don't need an angel to do this. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. This is not loaves and fishes or whatever. This is like, it's cool. It's great. Yeah. Um, it's not miraculous. It's uh, you put in a lot of hard work and I guess you benefited from our help and, uh, that's awesome. And uh, thanks for writing in. Just be careful with the conclusions that you make. That's all. Hmm. He continues. My strategy was to listen to podcasts and do practice tests. All told, I took 40 practice tests. You guys gave me the strategies and the perspectives that I needed to succeed without any tutors or classes. The biggest thing that I've learned is that sometimes you just have to figure it out. There aren't any tricks and shortcuts to something like the LSAT. Um, regards, James. Yeah, I mean, if by uh, figure it out, he means like... <laughs> understand what you're actually doing, understand what was actually being said and understand what the answers are saying. I couldn't agree more. I, um, also couldn't agree more. I, that's, that's the like truth of our, you know, business, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Like we're not, it's not magic. It's not like secret knowledge we're not giving you like the magic beans that if you don't know these special ways of doing it, you're not going to improve. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the special magic things like reading the question first actually interfere with people <laughs> improving as much as James did. Like, you know, you could start reading the question first and start improving your, improve your score by six points or whatever, but I don't want to improve your score by six points. I want to improve your score by 26 points. Yeah. And the way we do that is by actually understanding this shit. So James learned the most important lesson that you can learn, which is it actually makes sense. And you just have to figure that shit out. It is your job to figure that shit out because that's what lawyers do. I'm in the middle of, uh, I had to pause writing an explanation for the demon, uh, a logical reasoning explanation. Mm. And I'm writing this explanation in response to a demon, a demon student who, who used our ask button. Yep. One of the best features of the LSAT demon, by the way, is that there's an ask button on every page and you can ask our team of tutors, including me for help. Um, so I'm writing a new explanation in response to this ask question. And the question is a very common question, which is what's the difference between an example and an analogy? Okay. You've answered that question yep. mm -hmm. a hundred yep. times, right? Yep. Well, my response is, and I'm not being a smart ass. My response is, I'm happy to, thank you for your question. This is a very common question. I'm happy to write a full explanation of this question because it will benefit you and many students in the future. Yep. That said, teach a man to fish and all. The LSAT uses dictionary definitions of words. Yeah. I'm going to look up the definition in Google of the word analogy. I'm going to look up the definition of the word example in Google. And I'm going <laughs> to 
say the first definition of what each of those words means. And that's how I'm going to teach you the difference between an analogy and an example. Yep. So that's probably what James did. Yeah. You know, like James didn't need to pay me to do that. Yep. Because James learned that this shit makes perfect sense and you just have to figure it out. And he used the dictionary. Yeah. Um, I'm reading this book about writing. It's called Several. It's like several short sentences about writing. Yep. Um, By Verlin Click Kleinkenborg. Yeah. Okay. Yep, it, it's excellent. Uh, you can't listen to it, Ben. You have to. You have to get the print version of it if you're going to order it because Damn. it's like um, <laughs> you, because you have to see the words okay. on the page because it's written in like a, almost like poetry. Yeah, I can see some of the pictures here. Okay. Uh, so if you want it, I do recommend buying the hard copy. Maybe Kindle would do the same thing. Okay. But, um, yeah. I wouldn't listen to it though because I don't think you'll quite get it. Yeah. Uh, this is, by the way, recommended by All Star Demon student and podcast listener Laniel. Okay, mm-hmm. everybody loves Laniel. Um, he recommended me that book, and uh, it's. I finally got, I ordered it. I finally got around to starting to read it, and uh, one of the things it says is, "Look up words in the dictionary." Hmm. Like you need to constantly look up words in the dictionary. If you're not sure about a word, look up the word. Just make it crystal clear as opposed to... like it, Yeah. And it's not just look up words you don't know. It's look up a word that you're about to casually use. But you're not quite sure that you're... You're not quite sure about it. Because you might be using it slightly incorrectly or in a weird way. Or it might not mean commonly what you expect that it means. And language does evolve over time, and there's multiple different usages of all words. And so, you know, you can choose how you want to. Ultimately, you get to pick what word you use. But look it up. It takes two seconds. It's funny you say that, because literally just an hour and a half ago, I was on an exercise bike listening to A Promised Land by Barack Obama. And he said rapacious twice. And the second time he said it, I was like, okay. You have this, I have this sense of what it means, but it's like, I want perfect clarity, right? And I look it up and it's aggressively greedy and I'm like, okay, what he has just been saying makes more sense now. Yeah. (laughs) Like I had a sense and I think that's how people sometimes do the LSAT. You have a sense of what's being said, but it's not crystal clear. Well, lawyers are... Knights of the English language. Yep. They're, or they are knights who use the English language as their weapons. Yeah. Sharpen your fucking weapons. Yeah. By by learning more about them. Look up the words. I mean, it is amazing. So uh, before I started writing this explanation, I had written a previous explanation. Yep. And in the course of writing that explanation, I had looked up like three different words. Yeah. So, okay, so here, (laughs) listener, it's 9.30 in the morning, Pacific time. It's 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Ben Olson and Nathan Fox have each worked up, have each looked up words in the dictionary (laughs) today, this morning, 
independently. Yep. We each looked up words. Now, we also each scored 170-whatever on the LSAT 15 fucking years ago and have taught the LSAT full-time since then and do nothing but write and read all this complicated shit all the time. And we have looked up a word today. Have you looked up a word today? Yeah. I mean, it's like... You know, really, that it is a teach a man to fish type of a of a moment, right? Like we're I, and I need the reminder myself. I mean, I I if I wouldn't have just read this book, I I don't know that I would have gotten back into that habit of doing it. Yeah. You know, um, lawyers are very you know serious and literal, and every word matters. Yep. So you you're it's not going to it's not like you're just going to get a good vocabulary and be done with it. Yeah. You need to read a lot. You need to write a lot. And as you're doing both of those things. You should be looking up words. Yep. <laughs> that take, that kind of takes me back to law school. I still remember. Uh, sitting in the library and I well, I didn't have a phone, a smartphone back then, but I had a I had a mini or like a, I guess it was like a s small type font dictionary. Man, I just would be reading the case book and then I would be looking up words. Because <laughs> I did not do that because I was a terrible student. But if I would have been any kind of good student, I would have definitely been doing that. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, awesome. Glad James did well. Yeah. You want to take this next one? Yeah, but first I want to give uh, James one more compliment, and I also want to compliment Leah, who is our next email. Uh, both of these people wrote l lengthy emails, mm. and as I was considering whether to include them on the agenda, I decided instead to kick the can directly back to James and Leah and say, love to consider this, but can you make it shorter? Yeah. And, uh, I sent those yesterday and they each responded and, um, in less than 24 hours, they each responded and they did what I asked and they are, <laughs> their items are now on our agenda. Um, I find it very professional when people do that. Um, as a general thing, if you're going to email help at thinking if you could keep it shorter, I would, we would, we would really appreciate it. Yeah. And your fellow listeners would appreciate it as well. Um, one way to do that is to get to the point where you're about to hit send and then imagine me saying, Hey, can you make it half as long, please? Or one third as long and go through it one more time, <laughs> cut the shit out of it and then maybe do that again. Then send it help at thinking .com. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Leah says, I am a registered respiratory therapist. I've been working in COVID critical care for the past two years and in my field for 14 years, comma, it's time for a career change. That's a bad comma, Leah. That should have been a semicolon. Yep. Or a period. Or a period and a new sentence, preferably, because nobody has semicolon privileges around here. <laughs> I wrote like five semicolons today and took every single one of them out, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> They're cool for writing, but then like going back through it, I'm like, really? That's gross, dude. What? <laughs> Why? What are you doing? Why don't you just make it a new sentence? 
Okay. Um, thank you for your service, Leah. Thank you for working in um, respiratory therapy. Yep. Especially for these last two years. It's got to be brutal. Number one, what GPA will admissions be based on? She says upon. Would we ever use upon there? I don't. Based on? Just seems more direct. I don't know. Upon? I don't think we ever would yeah. need upon. It feels would old. We? Arcane, maybe. If we look it up, do you think it'll say it's arcane or antiquated? I'll look it up while you read it. Yeah. Okay. I have an AAS in respiratory from 2008 with a 2.1 GPA. Whoa. And my bachelor's in respiratory, that was in 2017, with a 3.2 GPA. Also not, like, good for most law schools. Yeah. Cumulative GPA, 2.7. Okay, that's bad. That's below the 25th percentile at any credible law school. So you're going to be bringing down the public numbers at any credible law school. That's a fact. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying that that is a fact. She wants to know what GPA is going to count. Um, it's, it's probably the cumulative, but you're going to have to upload all your transcripts, Leah, to your law school um, admission council credential assembly service account. Mm -hmm. If you don't already have that, you're going to have to pay a hundred bucks or whatever it is. 200 bucks, probably 200 to get a, a CAS account. You're going to have to upload all your transcripts. Then they will make some adjustments and they will tell you what your LSAC GPA is. That's the GPA you're going to be applying to law school with. In any case, it's going to be bad. <laughs> like, frankly, there's not that much of a difference. I don't think between a 2.1 and a 3.2, because both of those are probably below the 25th percentile. I mean, the 2.7 is definitely below the 25th percentile. And the 3.2 is already below the 25th percentile at most schools. So you're, you're an anchor on their public GPA data. Yep. doesn't really <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah. Um, that ship has sailed. So I, I don't, I'm not, I don't really care about that. I'm just telling you that, you look bad for admission to law school because of that. Number two, should I do an addendum? I know I could have done better on both college trips. I was young and dumb the first trip to college, and I decided to put in just enough effort to pass outside of going to school and working full time. I commend you. You did excellent on that. You had a 2.1. That is indeed just enough effort to pass. <laughs> um, that was my goal as an undergrad as well. Yeah. I had a 2.5 and I was pretty proud of it because I graduated in four years with minimal effort. Um, that's not a lawyer. Nope. I am not a lawyer. Uh, maybe you have become a lawyer since then. <laughs> uh, I still haven't. Thank God. Second trip around, I did do better, but I should have backed off professional responsibility to focus on school more. What do you think, Ben? Should she write an addendum? I think, well, I think the fact that she was working full time is and an excuse, if you don't harp on it too much, that I could actually be sympathetic toward. Like, just, and, and maybe not make an excuse, just state facts, you know? Um, I, I worked 40 hours a week and uh, got a 3.2. 
in retrospect, I wish I would have focused more on school. End of story. I, I, I guess um, I want to put a positive spin on this GPA, and I think working full-time is one thing that I could see as like consistent with a lawyer appetite. Okay. I agree. Write an addendum. Do it today. Stop thinking about it. Yep. It, it should be two sentences. It should take you 10 minutes, max. Write it, put it in a folder, forget about it. Because that's that's it. <laughs> and every law school is going to read it in five seconds, and they're going to immediately forget about it. It's just not going to make a difference. They, they, you know, they, I mean, well, w- what would Dean Z say? I think she would say two things. Uh, at the end of the day, <laughs> I need to know if you can succeed in law school and I still have to report your 2.7. Yeah. I mean, the 2.7, if that is what it turns out to be, right? Mm-hmm. The 2.7 is, that's going to be the public record. Yep. And she's going to say, Hey, it's going to lower my public data. Like it's way lower than my median. Yep. That's a fact that counts against you. You're, you are going to lower my numbers. If I admit you, you have lowered my numbers. That's a fact. I'm not going to like let you off the hook on that. That is a fact against you. Right? There's no softening that. That is a fact against you. Yep. Okay. Can you do the work? That's her. That's the other thing that she looks to GPA for because GPA is a good predictor of law school performance. This is according to the Dean of Michigan Law School. there the addendum, you know, she might, she might give you a point for that, right? She might go, okay, yeah, you were working full time. So probably that's not fully reflective, but I, you know, but I, what I think Dean Z would also say, Hmm. like if she looks closer at all, she sees that that bachelor's in 2017 had a 3.2 on it. Mm -hmm. And she goes, still don't think you can do the work. Yep. (laughs) Didn't do the work in that bachelor's. Not for my school. You didn't at my school. Everybody's got a 3.8 in their undergrad, you know, and, and she might, she's going to give you like partial credit, but, but she's also going to go. There are people at my school who were working full time, who got a 3.9. You were working full, full time and got a 3.2. Now I, Leah's probably not shooting for Michigan. Oh wait, she is in Michigan. Oh, but later she says she understands that the University of Michigan is not feasible for her. Okay, <laughs> that is true. You're, you're extremely unlikely to get into University of Michigan. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just think that's deans are going to think about it in that way. They're going to say, one, it lowers my public data. And that's what really matters probably the most. Two, can you do the work? Well, okay. The fact that you were working full time makes me slightly think that maybe you're more capable than your GPA shows, but then they're moving on to the next thing. Yep. Okay. Again, (laughs) please just write the addendum and then forget about it because you need to work on your LSAT. All right. Three, I want to get on the legal side of advocacy for safe staffing in healthcare. My goal is to use my background in patient care to push for a national union for healthcare across the United States. 
Should I be specific about this in my personal statement? Okay. Um, can we just talk about this goal for a half second? My goal is yeah. to use my background in patient care to push for a national union. Okay, you, you want to create a national union? Do you need a JD to do that? In other words, if you start pulling together a national union, are people not going to listen to you because you lack a JD? Or if you get a JD, are they now going to listen to you? I don't think that the skills required, the resources required to achieve this goal are that connected, if at all, to a JD. I'm sure that there are union organizers who have JDs. I'm sure that um, JD gives you some advantage in union organizing, or at least a law school would claim that a <laughs> if you go to their law school and you become a union organizer, they're going to claim that that's a JD advantage job. Sure. <laughs> right. But it's not practice. I mean, unless it unless it is actual practicing law, which, of course, unions also have lawyers. But I don't think most union organizers are practicing law. I feel like a union organizer is someone who knows how to play politics. <laughs> how Many politicians have a JD. Yeah. But again, you don't have to have a JD to play politics. Donald Trump won the most prestigious title in politics. He does not have a JD. Nope. Presidents of the United States do not practice law. They frequently have JDs, but they don't they're not practicing law. And let's assume that it helps. I mean, look, going to law school teaches you about how lawyers think. It makes you, you know, it, it itself is challenging and that can help you grow as a person. But I'm just thinking like, okay, if it's not required, how much money are you going to spend? How much time are you going to spend pursuing this? Even if you go for free, because you're still going to spend time like living somewhere and pursuing this degree. What? So you can now come out and become a union organizer? I don't know. To me, it doesn't quite it's not a clear cut path it doesn't make sense to me yeah i mean unless you know union organizers who are telling you you have to get a jd to do this job yeah like don't come here until you get your jd i would not presume that a jd is the right way to go about this goal my my i would bet money that there are better ways to pursue that specific goal pushing for a national union for healthcare across the united states I think specifically, you probably shouldn't get a JD for that goal. You should probably be in your current position and step up in it. Yeah, potentially. I mean, or I don't know, something. But I, I, I don't imagine, like law school trains you to be a generalist. Law school trains you to take the bar in your state and practice law somehow. Yep. And I, I just don't, it doesn't sound like legal practice. Now we could be totally wrong. I mean, Leah might know stuff that we don't know. And there could be someone telling her you have to have a JD to do this job. Sure. We're not in My healthcare. We're not no. in unions. <laughs> we're not in any of that, but I'm just like, I don't know. I, I don't think to myself, well, gee, okay, well, yeah. Step one, go get a JD. Like, I think it would be the most expensive, most time consuming way to pursue this goal, I don't think that it's the most efficient, most effective. I, I don't, my, I'm, I'm just speculating, but it, that sounds like a bad idea to me. Yep. And Ben, you agree. Okay. Number four, I live in Michigan and I'm unable to move. I feel my three feasible law school options are Michigan State University, Wayne State, and Cooley. 
Is there a school that would better align with my goals? I have no idea. Or apply to all three and see what happens. Well, you should definitely apply to all three. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless. Y'all, everybody, this is a, probably a new listener. Thank you, Leah, yeah. for writing in. Um, y'all need to apply to multiple schools. I mean, you just have to apply to multiple schools. If you apply to just one school, then they have no incentive to ever give you a scholarship. They're just going to soak you for full price and applying to any one of these schools and getting in and paying full price might be the worst thing that ever happened to you. This is a clear don't pay for law school. I mean, everybody's a clear don't pay for law school, but God, like this very speculative plan. I mean, it's clear here that now Leah, she doesn't have any idea what she's doing. I mean, she's asking us whether one of these schools would align with her goals I've barely heard of any of these schools. These are regional law schools. What these schools do, Leah, is they prepare people to practice law in the state of Michigan. I think one thing, too, that she may not understand, and um, uh, if other listeners don't know this as well, but uh, you should know it. All law schools are essentially the same. And that's largely because of the ABA requirements for what it takes to be certified as a law school. There are so many requirements (laughs) that that they're essentially, they end up, creating the same kind of institution everywhere yeah. to, to the extent that there is a law school in Michigan. That's different. Yeah. It's Dean Z's the university of Michigan. Yep. I mean, it's not these schools. These are regional law schools. They, they make plenty of, I'm sure wonderful prosecutors and public defenders and small firm lawyers. You know, I mean, I'm sure there are great, you're going to want to get a divorce in the state of Michigan. You're probably going to talk to somebody who graduated from one of these schools. Yep. But honestly, if you're going to be doing national anything, you probably went to the university of Michigan Yep. or you went to one of these schools, practiced law for 15 years and then like worked your way up somehow. I could be wrong. We are students of this game. You know, I, I want to know. So tell me I'm wrong. We're help at thinking LSAT.com. But I, I don't think that you probably do national organizing after a JD from any of these schools. Not that you couldn't, but I, again, I don't see how those schools <laughs> yeah. are like the ticket, right? right? No, <laughs> those, those schools are the ticket. They're the ticket to one thing. They are the ticket to taking the bar exam. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's what I no, may that's leave you there on the side does. of the road. And you have to decide what you're going to do next from there. That's what a JD does. A JD is a requirement for the American Bar Association. You have to get a JD so that you can sit for the bar in any state. Now, there are state bar requirements that are different. And so there are other schools that are not certified by the ABA that allow you to take the bar in a state or possibly states if they have like reciprocal agreements. Um, But even then, like what that school does is it gives you a ticket to sit the bar in that state. And it's, it doesn't No, it does not automatically help you do anything. And you, Leah, you need to do much more research. This research does not involve talking to these schools. Who should she talk to? For union organizers and figure out like how it actually gets done. Yeah. You need to talk to people who have the jobs you want, 
not the people who are selling products that they will try to tell you are the exact right thing for you. Yeah. Expensive products. Right. Dear God. No, their interests are not aligned with yours. They, their interest is yes, absolutely. We can do that for you. Apply right now. And 10 years ago, years there was someone now, who became a national union organizer in the, <laughs> who knows? They're going to go, oh, if they're going to go, great, perfect. We have a potential applicant here. We would love to get your application. If you meet our criteria, we would love to admit you and charge you full price. And, you know, then we can talk about, you'll, you'll probably change what you want to do by the time you graduate from our school. It's a transformative experience. <laughs> it's a transformative. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every bullshit. Yeah, it is transformative. It's not necessarily a positive transformation, though. <laughs> Transforms your financial future and your marriage. Um <laughs> Sorry, Leah, to be so dark about all this, but you, you're, I fear that you're treading down a dangerous path. And, you know, so the next thing she says is I'm looking to sit for the LSAT in June and August if needed goal enrollment would be fall of 2023, which that's good. So it sounds like Leah is looking to apply early and hopefully get a scholarship. If, if she's going to do this, she's going to do it the right way. I hope, I mean, because she sounded like she thought she was going to just apply to one school, which ain't going to get it done. Um, but before you even do and you shouldn't even, I, don't study for the LSAT right now. Nope. Don't even think about the LSAT right now. Your job is to talk to organizers and, and figure out, I mean, like maybe a challenge for Leah would be come up with a list of five jobs in union organizing that do not require a JD. In the course of doing so, you might also find union organizing jobs that do require a JD, but I think you need to have at least a couple on both sides so that you can compare whether the investment in both in terms of time and money is going to be worth it to get a law degree, which I just don't think, you know, union organizers, not the first thing this brings to mind. Yeah. Okay. Thanks Leah. Yeah. Thanks for writing in. Good luck. All right, you put this one on the agenda, random item. Well, actually, you put everything on the agenda. I just show up, and it's, <laughs> it's my curated contribution and <laughs> to the team. Yes, I do manage the, I do manage the agenda for this show and for our other podcast, LSAT Demon Daily, mm-hmm. which everybody should go subscribe to right now. Yeah, that um, is available five days a week. Um. <laughs> okay, this uh, you're gonna. I want to know if you think I'm a dick. Okay, go for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, God, you could have just said yes immediately. I, te- I teed you up. You didn't even take it. All right. Um, I don't actually okay. think you're a dick, Nathan. That's the problem. <laughs> Aw, thanks. Um, okay. This is not a dig on any of our staffers, hmm. but some of our staffers do this, and this is what made me think of okay. it. When your boss says, let's do a thing, mm-hmm. and it's clear that this is the thing that we're doing... Mm-hmm. When you respond, sounds good, it just it just comes off a little different than it would come off if you said, you got it, or I'm on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some of our teams say, Roger, on it. Yep. Yep, got it. <laughs> some, of, some of our team says that. Yeah. And some of our team says, sounds good. And I just, I don't know. Do you have that same reaction or am I? I would say, yeah, of these three, you got, (laughs) you're you're too sensitive. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> might be. I mean, I just, like, hey guys, I don't know. Team it, meeting. Nathan's uh, not feeling too good about himself. <laughs> if you could just up the responses a little bit. Um, so, so of these three, right? You got it on it and sounds good. Um, I like of all those three on it the best. To me, that just expresses action not just it, it expresses like okay i agree with what we're doing and i'm gonna i'm gonna start working on it pronto um but there is when i was reading those there is something that i i like more than all of them um if it depends on of course the size of the project if it's huge then writing back and saying on it makes sense because it's like okay i got what you told me and i'm gonna do it now and I'm, i'll report back later but some things that we send out, right, maybe they only take a day or something. And it's, I, I just love the, it's done. Like, I don't want to hear about it, right? It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. here, like the on it is, it's like this extra layer of communication for some, like a pro, smaller project that just kind of slows things down. And I don't like sending that either, right? Like, I'm like, I'd rather, okay, am I going to do this? If I am, look, okay, here I did it. And what what's next? What do we need? Yeah. I, I like on it, but yeah, even better would be done yeah. <laughs> with a period. <laughs> Just done with a period. Yeah. <laughs> that would be excellent. Um, yeah. Um, okay. And now everybody's going to start saying good? on it now. And <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> but even done would even be better, even better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, to our team members who say sounds good, I, I want to reassure them. I'm not insulted by it at all. And I know you are very capable people. And I think a lot of times what you mean is done, mm -hmm. um, which is great, but I'll give you just what sounds good. Sounds like is, Oh, I have considered this. And in my opinion, this is a good idea. Yeah. And as much as I do appreciate, in fact, appreciate your opinion, Sometimes we're just, I'm not asking for your opinion. That's like, we already have agreed that this is a thing that needs to happen and you're going to be take responsibility for it. And so sounds good is just a little like, I don't know what it is. I think really I'm a dick though, because it is like a boss kind of a thing to do, right? To just be like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do it. I wasn't asking for your opinion, <laughs> but I almost always am actually interested. I mean, I do. I want to know what you think of it. Actually, what I really want is for you to tell me if it's a bad idea. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want you to go, I disagree. Yep. That's what I really want. But <laughs> otherwise, I want you to say, done. Cool. We'll let you know how many uh, people <laughs> quit this week. <laughs> Actually, we love everybody on the yeah. team. It's such a great team. Uh, we've got the best, just the best team. And I hope that they're sitting there laughing, not... Uh, <laughs> you mean <laughs> not, not, not crying <laughs> steaming going back and searching their email to see how many thousands uh, of times they've said sounds good to me that, and feeling bad about it no i don't that dick <laughs> no that's okay you could definitely say that i deserve it and i don't know sometimes the boss is a dick that's yeah <laughs> Okay, this next one came from uh, our recent, I hope still continuing, uh, student, Victoria. Okay, John um, F. Kennedy. Yeah, I can, I can read. You want to yeah, read Yeah, I'll read this. Hey, Ben and Nathan. I've been seeing JFK's admission essay circulating around social media lately. 
Okay, I haven't, but I also haven't been on social media. I thought it would be cool for you to read it on the show and share your thoughts. I think it's a funny reminder of what not to do on your personal statement. Hope you find it as entertaining as I do, Victoria. Um, clearly, this is not the whole statement or essay, but I guess a portion of it. Um, this is to Harvard, looks like, and it was yeah. dated April 23rd, 1935 by John F. Kennedy. Okay, if this is actually true, this is what he wrote. The reasons that I have for wishing to go to Harvard are several. Empty sentence. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's terrible. Okay. Oh, wonderful. I feel, ooh, I feel, I feel that Harvard can give me a better background and a better liberal education than any other university. Oh, you're selling Harvard to itself. I have always wanted to go there as I have felt that it is not just another college, but it is a university with something definite to offer. Again, selling Harvard to itself. Then, too, I would like to go to the same college as my father. <laughs> like me, because you liked my father. To be a Harvard man is an enviable distinction and, a, the, and one that I sincerely hope I shall attain. Wow, that was empty. Empty, empty, empty. Is that real? Okay. <laughs> yeah, well... Victoria submitted it to us because she knew that we would dunk on it because it's an absolutely terrible personal statement. I think it's a good example of how the personal statement ultimately doesn't matter. Um, you know, this was, I guess, to Harvard undergrad. Yeah. He did eventually, he made the dean's list at Harvard his junior year. I'm looking on his wiki, Wikipedia he ultimately graduated cum laude from Harvard with a Bachelor of Arts in Government, concentrating on international affairs. That fall, he enrolled at the Stanford Graduate School of Business and audited classes there. Oh, so he did not, in fact, graduate from Stanford Graduate School of Business. I mean, let's be honest. His, you know, he comes from a, an extraordinarily rich and powerful family. I'm sure his just dropping grandfather his grandfather was a Massachusetts state legislator. His maternal grandfather was a U.S. congressman and two time mayor of Boston. Yeah. <laughs> um, he went to fancy private schools for his whole life, you know, prestigious boarding school that I've never so prestigious. I've never even heard of it. Coat choked. What is that? Coat Rosemary Hall. Wallingford, Connecticut. I mean, you know, he, this dude was, he was in at Harvard based on his connections for, it didn't matter what he wrote. Yeah. I just found this, by the way, this uh, essay. It's response to a question 19 of the application. It says, why do you wish to come to Harvard? And then in parentheses, it says, the committee will expect a careful answer to this question. And then he... <laughs> well, I mean, when he said, I would like to go to the same college as my father. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could have also said, like, my grandfather, a two-time mayor of Boston, said I should go to Harvard. Yep. He could have said that. <laughs> that would have worked. He did it more tactfully, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, 
the facts are what really matters, yep. right? So he he <laughs> he ultimately delivered a fact there that, that was, was yep. a quality answer to the question. But all the other bullshit around it is exactly the type of thing that we do not want to see in your personal statement because we would like you to make more room for facts that are in your favor. Cool. Um, thank you, Victoria. You want to uh, talk about this yeah. LSAC Plus program? What the hell is this? Thing? Okay, so <laughs> the official name of the program is LSAC Pre-Law Undergraduate Scholarships. The short for that is PLUS. <laughs> oh, Pre-Law Undergraduate Scholarships. Yep. So Pre-PL, yeah, Pre-Law Undergraduate Scholarships PLUS program. So the because if they wouldn't have done the, otherwise it would be LSAC pus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, so they, they got the pre-law in there. That was a good call by them. Yeah. I'll give them that. That was a that was a good job to put the L in the acronym. Uh, uh, Initialism, yeah. I guess, right? No, it's an act. Hmm? It's an acronym because we're saying plus because we say it as a word. Okay, cool. So anyways, I saw this and I I saw this program. I was like, what? I hadn't heard of it before. Um, It's for minorities and I guess it's offered at law schools. And so if you're an undergrad, you can apply to this program and it sounds like you go to the school and then end up studying there for a little bit to get a taste of what it's like to be in law school. What I don't know is how long you study at the law school. Uh, is it like a week or a month or a semester? Um, to give you an example, so several schools or several law schools are offering these plus programs. One is at BU, so Boston University. And the BU description says BU summer Oh, okay, summer. It says BU Summer Pre-Law Academy. So it sounds like it takes place over the summer, at least at BU. Designed for students one year away from applying to law school is focused on countering structural and environmental forces that unevenly tax students of color. The program will expose students to scholarship, including critical race theory produced by academics and activists of color that illustrates the radicalized or racialized and often overlooked dimensions of law and legal education. Okay, so um, the thing that caught my attention was that the that LSAC said if you do this program uh, at any of these schools, it's free, one, and two, they're going to give you a $1,000 stipend and they're going to give you a fee waiver. So it sounded to me like the fee waiver they give you, which is two free LSATs, access to pre, uh, Prep Plus and stuff like that, is not based on your financial situation like it is for everyone else who gets a fee waiver. It's just, did you get into this one of these programs? If you did, we'll give you money and a fee waiver. Cool. So the th- $1,000 scholarship is a uh, tiny drop in a very large bucket. Sure. Uh, well, it's not a scholarship. It's I, a it's a stipend. Oh, okay. So they just cut you. A check. They cut you a check for a thousand. You could use bucks. that check yep. to apply to law schools potentially. Um, yep. I worry that it's a way that a particular law school gets its hooks in you. Sure, absolutely. I mean, you go to this program at their school, and they're like, "Oh, if you apply with, oh, what's your LSAT? Oh, if you apply, I, I you know." I can't, I can't guarantee anything, but wink, I think, wink, you're probably good. And then you only apply to that school. Mm. 
and then they generously admit you <laughs> and charge you full price. Oh, yeah. And you borrow $250,000 by the time you pay for living expenses and everything. And then you graduate with a JD from that school when maybe a better route for you would have been take the LSAT multiple times if necessary, get the very best score you can, apply early, apply broadly, and get a scholarship and graduate with no debt instead of graduating with a quarter of a million dollars of debt. Um, but <laughs> that said, um, you know, I, I think that our listeners, right, who are savvy, could potentially use these programs to good advantage yeah um, go to a school kind of feel the vibe right if you're there for the summer you're gonna feel <laughs> what it's like to be at law school more than you would if you're given you know uh an hour tour <laughs> um i don't know if the, it's interesting to me that they're studying critical race theory that's odd um, yeah it's not a common class at law school. Well, yeah, it's not like a 1L class. I mean, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be studying critical race theory. I guess it doesn't, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure how that prepares you for law school. I'm thinking, um, yeah, I'm thinking more maybe doing. outside of the, just the fact that you get to go there and maybe in theory be on the campus and talk to people who will learn about all the ways that the system is set up against you. Sure. I mean, I would think you already know those things. Like it's kind of like white folks need to study <laughs> all the ways that the system is set up against people of color. But um, okay, great, cool. So you go, you go, I mean, you go get the experience. It doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. Do they pay your living expenses while you're there? The only thing I saw was the thousand dollar stipend. Um, but oh. supposedly the program has been around since 2002 and at least 2,700 people have done it um and over 30 schools have participated in one way or another i mean that's not a huge crowd but if anyone out there knows anything about the lsac plus program email help at thinking we'd love to learn more about that's it an, yeah absolutely help at thinking lsat.com uh there were so roughly 100 people a year mm -hmm. for the last 20 years kind of crazy that this is the first i'm ever hearing of it yeah um but uh Cool. Yeah. Great. Good job. Yep. Sounds like a potentially a step in the right direction as long as again, you don't get, you know, what's going on, right? <laughs> I just worry so much that the people that are out there loudly championing how much they're in favor of, you know, broad, uh, we want to widen this pipeline and we want to give access to all these people. And we want to, you know, like justice and diversity Mm -hmm. but then they end up charging people full price and for, for outcomes that are not as good as people who are there on scholarships. Yep. Like if, you know, and I'm, I'm worried generally about small money incentives to get you to buy big money products. And so if this money is used to apply sensibly and end up going to law school at the right price, then great. But if this money is used to entice people to come, you know, dealer incentives on a blah, 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 cash back bonus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, come buy a brand new Ford and we'll give you $750 cash. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, you just bought a $50,000 truck and they gave you $750 cash. Wow. Yeah. 
you know, so I, I, I'm not saying that that's what this is. I just I, I have seen things that are like that in the past, and I just don't want this to be that. I want it to be a genuine outreach effort. So I hope that it is. Yep. Yeah. I'd like to know more about it. Help at thinkingelsat.com. Cool. Um, let's go ahead and do this logical reasoning question, right? This is from test 73, yeah. section four, question five. It looks like I get to read it today and you get to answer it. Great. Um, I will start reading. While biodiversity is indispensable to the survival of life on earth. That's a premise because while is going to be, I mean, it's not the conclusion of the argument, right? That's going to be acknowledging a fact. Okay. It's acknowledging a fact. Yep. Mm hmm. Okay, so biodiversity is indispensable to the survival of life on Earth. Indispensable would be <clears throat> talking about a necessary condition. So in order for life on Earth to survive, we must have biodiversity. Okay. Um, I would add to that. I, I, I think biodiversity makes a lot of sense to most people. But for me, there's still part of me that wants to like... <laughs> break that down even more. So I'm imagining sure. multiple species, right? It's like, okay, so for, for anyone to survive, we have to have lots of different kinds of us. Now, careful, because we don't know how many different kinds. Um, I, I would imagine, you know, that's a relative sure. term, sure. right? Mm -hmm. So you could say, you know, we've got, uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you could be like, well, we got white people and Asians. <laughs> Is that bad? Diversity. So we're diverse, you know, yeah. like, okay, well, that's one definition of diversity, but there are other definitions of diversity that brought in that out yeah. to other groups. Um, so I'm not sure what they mean here by biodiversity. I would, you know, at a minimum, I think it would mean like two different species. Yeah. Some plants, hopefully some animals. Yeah. Shit. Like two different, I mean, ideally, but I mean, okay. So yeah, now that you bring that up, I mean, like, do I have diversity if I have, um, if I have uh, firs and cedars, does that give me biodiversity? <laughs> I mean, that's two different kinds of evergreen trees, right? Yep. You got that and humans? So, <laughs> well, right. So it's like, this is, yeah, I, I think it's a good example of like, lawyers are intensely interested in the meanings of words. You could look up biodiversity if you wanted to see what Google says is a definition of biodiversity. That would probably be a useful exercise here since we were lecturing you about it a little while back. But I, I would only I would only in LSAT terms, right? I think that as a premise, at a minimum, it's probably like just any two different species. More than one. And, and, but I would, I would also at this point, since I don't know that the argument is hinging on this critical or this technical of a definition of biodiversity, I would probably have moved on and just kind of assumed, well, Hey, it's going to be a lot. I lost it anyway, yeah. right? You stopped me to talk about biodiversity. I was going to say biodiversity, whatever that means yeah. is necessary for survival of life on earth. Sure. I, but yeah, I, sure. Put a pin in it. We don't know what biodiversity means. Yep. We might end up arguing about that. Yeah. It hasn't been defined. So something called biodiversity is necessary for life. That for sure has been specified by this passage. And all we're, we're only up to the comma. Yep. 
this is the kind of careful reading that is the difference between people who score 175 on the LSAT and people who score 145 on the LSAT. You know, we're just careful. We're, we're understanding what's there. And we what's can't not go further there. if we mm-hmm. don't understand what was there and yeah, what was not there. Okay. Okay. Well, this is indispensable for the survival, for, for the survival of life on Earth. Biodiversity does not require the survival of every currently hmm. existing species. So they're narrowing the definition of biodiversity specifically by saying what it doesn't require. Uh, it does not require, this is a very, by the way, this is a, um, it doesn't do a lot. No, it doesn't do a lot. The fact that <laughs> right. we don't need every single species that currently exists is not shocking at all. I mean, we lose some every day, right? I imagine that we don't even know about. And of course, nothing changes. Right. So that's a, that's a limitation on the definition of biodiversity. But all it's saying is every single species, like literally every species that currently exists is not required. Okay, fine. So we can lose one or two or potentially thousands or millions of species. I don't know, but I, I just know that it doesn't for sure. It does not require all of the species. So we were debating, is it two or more or lots or more? And it's like, well, this doesn't tell us anything about that. It's just like, well, it's not everything. <laughs> no, well, but that we need to know as well. I mean, it's right? helpful. I mean, like, yeah, it's it, good to know. But... What's it mean at a minimum and what does it mean at a maximum? Yep. The, it, we know now that at a maximum, it does not mean every, literally every existing species. So we can drop at least one existing species and still have biodiversity according to this definition. Yep. Again, we must have diversity, biodiversity, for the survival of life on Earth, which, boy, I think we're all probably in favor of that, right? So <laughs> we need biodiversity in order for life on Earth to survive. But that doesn't mean that we need every last species. Yeah. Okay. That's what we know so far. I mean, it, just as a random side note, I was imagining what would it be like to not have biodiversity, but it would just be like going to Mars, right? You would be the only bio <laughs> thing. Yeah. If there is, in fact, no life on Mars, then humans on earth would be, yeah, I, I can't see how that's biodiversity because that's one species so of us, life. And we probably but, wouldn't do too well. No, but actually if a human being set foot on Mars, there would be biodiversity. Well, on Mars. you're thinking about like the, uh, all the gut bacteria the mites that live in your eyebrows. And the, yeah, this is true, but not much biodiversity, poop, which is alive. <laughs> it would be still limited. <laughs> I mean, to whatever we have on our person. Hundreds of species? Yeah, probably thousands. Well, probably I think millions. millions. I think there's millions. Yeah. But still, I don't know, you know? Yeah. Okay, but maybe that's enough. That's what, but that's exactly <laughs> the shit that lawyers would argue about, right? <laughs> lawyers are fucking annoying. It's so fucking annoying. Yeah. I, it's, that's your job, is to make ridiculous arguments. But is that argument actually ridiculous? Maybe not, because if you show up with millions of species... You do have biodiversity, and maybe that's why, in fact, we could continue to live, because (laughs) our little ecosystem that we would create there would uh, be quite diverse. the (laughs) The attorney who's in favor of that argument goes, okay, would you like me to read the list of species? Yeah, (laughs) because we're going to be here a long time. Yeah, Your Honor, do we have, uh, let me do some quick math. Um, Yeah, do we have 17 years for me to read the list of all of the species (laughs) that just arrived on Mars? Oh, we don't? Oh, okay. So we don't have time to read the list of species. Yeah. And so you're, um, hmm, do we have biodiversity? But that's not enough species for you to have biodiversity? 
It's a, it's a credible argument, right? It's like ridiculous until you think about yeah. it. And then you go, oh, shit. Whoops. Yeah. Okay. So this argument continues. For there to be life on Earth, various ecological niches must be filled. Hmm. That's another necessary condition. We have to fill, must be filled. Yep. This is necessary. Yep. We must fill these niches in order for there to be life on earth. So we now have two necessary conditions for life on earth. One of them we call biodiversity, which doesn't mean every species, but it means, I don't know, some species. Specifically, we're going to need to fill various ecological niches. And now the lawyers are like, well, can all of the gut bacteria and eyebrow mites and human beings that carry those things, can they fill various ecological niches? We don't know if I'm continuing our sure, yeah. And what's an ecological niche, right? Like, is it and sure. and how many of those do we need to fill? It said various ecological yeah, niches fuck. need to be filled, but how many is that? Is that like ten, five, two? Lawyers are the worst. <laughs> They're the actual fucking worst, and lawyering itself is the worst. This is exactly what you will spend the rest of your life doing. Is like every single word <laughs> you're gonna just be like. Oh, yeah, various. Oh, what does various mean? Various, on the L side, it means some, which means one or more. Mm -hmm. So we don't really know how many. Could be millions, could be one, I think. Could be one, yeah. Uh, maybe various has to mean two. I don't know. <laughs> but two would be various, so... Yeah. You know, and then they would start arguing about, like, what does life on Earth mean? Sure. If there's one... Fungus is that uh, is that life on Earth? Yes, I think it is. Probably not what most people would have thought of if they were thinking about the survival of life on Earth. Yep. But it would satisfy the minimum condition for life on Earth, right? But it certainly could be because, like, if we found a fungus on Mars, we'd say there was life on Mars. Um. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you can see the attorneys on both sides fighting about it. Yeah. I mean, the, they're both right, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, according to the definitions that we have so far. All right, go ahead. So last idea. Many niches, however, can be filled by more than one species. Uh, so they're just saying that we don't know how many niches there are. Nope. We know that we need to fill various niches in order for there to be life. but And we need species to fill these niches. However, many niches, which could include all niches, can be filled by more than one species, which could almost mean that one species can fill every niche, except that they had already started with biodiversity is indispensable to the survival of life. So we need a couple species at least. Um, but right those... now, Ben, tell me what's the minimum? Two species. According to all these facts. Yeah, we yeah need, absolutely. The, the... We need two species and they need to fill. It's been established, folks. Two, two niches. <laughs> Like, absolutely nobody does this level of analysis, and we are taking it to a ridiculous extreme. But it's clear from these words that the minimum, according to these facts, is two. Yep. Uh, because you have to have biodiversity, which means more than one. Because mm -hmm. we have to fill niches, but some niches can be filled by more than one species, which... Yeah, I think two is the minimum. The maximum is literally all the way up to, but not including. All. All, yeah. yeah. So all of them but one is the <clears throat> maximum. 
So we, we <laughs> after all this, we have narrowed it down. <laughs> Two to uh, infinity minus one. Yep. Or okay. current minus one, whatever that is. Yep. Yeah, current minus one. Okay, so the question says, which one of the following statements most accurately expresses the conclusion drawn in the argument? Biodiversity is indispensable to life on Earth. Um, hmm. Interesting. I wouldn't say that's a conclusion, but I maybe I'm just we're just looking at this differently. Well, um, what's their point? I guess I thought their point was the second half of that first sentence. Biodiversity Various. does not require the survival of every currently existing species. Why? Oh. Because we can fill them with. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because otherwise. <clears throat> okay. Right. The while. <laughs> you know, it's funny because like all of our talking about it in like super slow motion. Yeah. Like when we take 15 minutes to <clears throat> talk about this, carry off into this whole hypothetical and everything. <laughs> it's like, okay, maybe lose sight of like the sort of rhythm of the argument that it, it did start with this wild this concession. Which the first thing out of my mouth was, yeah. well, that's not the conclusion. I said it. I already said it. Yeah. That's not the conclusion of the argument. Yeah. I forgot that I said yeah. it. Okay, so that is not the conclusion <laughs> of the argument. It is an acknowledgement that is made by their they're granting that biodiversity is indispensable to the survival of life on Earth. But what they really wanted to tell you is not every species, though, because, yeah, we got to fill these niches, but some species can fill more than one niche. So we don't have to so have everybody. Mm -hmm. Even though we do need biodiversity, yep. it's a critical part of these facts. Yeah. But it's a, an acknowledgement, and then the real conclusion is, but we don't need all of them. Yep. Okay. Cool. Answer choice A. Biodiversity does not require that all existing species continue to exist. Mm, I would prefer if that said survival of life on Earth does not require that all existing species continue to exist. Mm -hmm. Leave it open. Yeah. Put a pin in yeah. it. Leave it open. Okay. Cool. B, there are various ecological niches that must be filled if there is to be life on Earth. That's part of the argument. That's a premise of the argument. But they really wanted to tell you that we don't need every single species. Yep. C, the survival of life on Earth depends upon biodiversity. Okay, no. That was the uh, thing that was granted at the very beginning. It was this acknowledgement. But they ultimately went on to make this other case. Right. The premise that they presented was many niches can be filled by more than one species mm -hmm. in support of the conclusion that biodiversity does not require the survival of every currently existing species. So the survival of life on Earth does not require the survival of every currently existing species. Yep. I bet the answer turns out to be A. That's what I'm guessing. But. Hmm. Um... D, there are many ecological niches that can be filled by more than one species. No, premise. Premise, yep. E, the species most indispensable for biodiversity. I wouldn't even read it yeah. any further than that. They never talked about individual species being most indispensable. That's an example there of where I get to stop reading it halfway through. It's just something that they didn't even say. I'm not even sure that's logical. You either are indispensable or you're not. 
Right. Most indispensable. Yeah. is not a thing. Yep. It's like having a, a number one priority. <laughs> yep. You got that. That's just redundant. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, or I guess illogical would be second priority. Yep. My number two priority. No priority means number one. Yep. Yeah. So that's, uh, we're only left with a, yeah, it does turn out to be a, it, uh, I mean, they did state it in exactly those words, right? They said biodiversity does not require the survival of every currently existing species. And later they presented a premise. Many niches can be filled by more than one species. So we don't need everybody. That's um, what they're essentially saying. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't actually need life on earth does not require every currently existing species. But I think you and I agree that if there had been another answer that had said life on earth does not require all existing species, we would have to pick that in which case a, would be interpreted as an intermediate conclusion um, of a broader unstated conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been more to what this argument seemed to be alluding to, but we must interpret the question in such a way that it makes one of the answers make perfect sense. I don't think that this is the best work they have ever done. Um, but it's still but, 100% correct, right? Because none of the others come even close. So it works. They could fix it with just changing one word in the question stem itself. Yes. Um, I believe we would be changing an article. What, which article? Uh, the. Okay. In the... Oh, in the express the conclusion. Ah, okay. You just said a conclusion. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Two letters shorter (laughs) makes it perfectly correct. I was like, what? what? That is a conclusion (laughs) drawn in the argument. Yeah. That is a conclusion drawn in the argument. It's, I I don't think that it's the bigger conclusion that could have been drawn by these facts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's what they meant. Yep. You do have to think about what they meant, right? Words are. As much as we just were, again, lecturing you about looking up words, that's not because the dictionary prescribes the definition of a word. It's just, here's how these words are commonly used, and here's multiple different ways that the words are used, and this evolves over time. Um, We must be generous enough in our interpretations to understand what they meant. Mm And when we get to that correct understanding, we will see that one of the answers is perfectly correct. And that's obviously the answer. Cool. Um, that was that. BLSAT Famous. Get on an upcoming show by emailing help at thinkinglsat.com. Questions about the LSAT demon? Email our awesome uh, help team at help at lsatdemon.com. You can also check out our other podcast that Nathan mentioned earlier, LSAT Demon Daily. That was episode 308, whoa, 338 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.